Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. What is it for you that makes you think when pigs fly? How about some of these? If a politician gives a straight answer, yeah, when pigs fly. Or maybe it's your partner who says they'll clean the kitchen, yeah, when pigs fly. Or a child that says they'll do their homework before TV. Or maybe it's when you can afford your dream car or that friend who will buy the next round, when pigs fly. Or maybe it's England winning the Euros. Maybe not. Uh, Some things are just too absurd, though. Too unrealistic. Get out of town. Never going to happen. Wishful thinking. When pigs fly. Maybe today you find yourself wishing for a miracle. Searching for hope. Praying for the impossible to happen. What if I told you that today might just be the day when pigs fly? In this series, we're looking at exactly that. I don't know your faith background or even if you have one, but perhaps one of the biggest questions you have around faith or perhaps the main things that leaves you unconvinced is this. If there really is a God, why doesn't God do more of the extraordinary? If God really is that powerful, where can I see some of that power? If it's true that Jesus really did heal the sick, give sight to the blind, cast out demons, feed 5,000 hungry people on a hillside, why do we see more of that today? When it comes to God being the God of miracles, things can get a bit tricky, and we can be left with a whole bunch of uncomfortable questions. Questions that have possibly been answered in an unsatisfactory way in the past for you by well-meaning people that have actually left you with more questions than answers in the end. I just want to share with you some myths that I think have been told about miracles when it comes to faith. And now most of these you will know are myths, but when it comes to our behavior, it might suggest that we actually believe in these miracle myths more than we might realize. How about this? If you want it enough or believe it enough, uh, then what you want will happen. Uh, Now, you may have been told this before by a well-meaning person, but it doesn't take a lot to realize that life doesn't really work like that. That doesn't really add up. For example, it's not hard to imagine if you go into an exam that you haven't revised for at all, that you haven't put any work into passing, and on the way to taking the test, you just believe that you're going to pass. It doesn't actually mean that you're going to pass the test. It does, however, mean that you're probably a little bit delusional. Just because you believe something is true doesn't actually always make it true. When I was maybe 11 years old, I can remember seeing this apple on a table and thinking, well, if God is real, God can move the apple without me touching it. And now, before you think that I'm crazy, I would be willing to bet that there are others of you out there who have probably tried this at least once. But I can remember staring at this apple with all of the will in the world, thinking if I just believe hard enough, the apple would move. It didn't, and I haven't tried again. You'll probably be glad to hear. Here's another myth. If you're good enough, then what you want to happen will happen. That if only you please God, then he will work in relation to your morality. Or or maybe it's this. You will see a miracle happen if only you pray enough. If you get on your knees and stay up all night, then God absolutely will. Here's the thing. 
While some of us even know that these are just myths, or perhaps half-truths that have been warped in some, some way because of something else that Jesus really did say, the way we behave can actually suggest that we buy into them more than we might think. Maybe for you, though, this has actually been something that has previously been something that's actually led to a far more serious crisis of faith, where you were led to believe that if only you believed or behaved or prayed enough, then healing would come or a solution would reveal itself. And in the end, the pigs didn't take flight and you were left feeling let down or even guilty that you didn't do enough. You know, I think that when this happens, the power behind the word miracle somewhat gets lost. When crisis and tragedy come your way, if you're not careful, you can actually end up falling on one end of this spectrum where neither end seems to really work. On one end of the spectrum lies this belief that whilst God might be able to do miracles, and whilst God did long ago do miracles, he doesn't anymore. And for whatever reason, he won't in my life today. Miracles, in other words, just don't happen. On the other side of the spectrum, paradoxically, is this idea that everything that happens is a miracle. And that if one thing doesn't work out, it's not a big deal because look at everything else. Now, maybe you've met someone like this, and when the toast pops up out of the toaster and it's perfectly toasted, it must be an act of God. Uh, or if you drive to the supermarket and the best parking spot is free just for you, uh, or maybe if you were just one minute late for the bus and the bus was late too, and you just make it, you see those things as miracles. I don't want to upset you, uh, but if that's you, then those things probably aren't actually miracles. When it comes to miracles, for many of us, we either diminish them or deny them. So what is a miracle? I want to be super upfront and clear. Miracles are when God in heaven intervenes on earth. When a God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present moves in a way that brings change into the lives of people. That's a miracle. And here's the amazing thing, that God still moves today. Now let me ask you, in your life, where is it that you would love to see God intervene on your behalf or in the life of others to bring change to what currently seems an unchangeable situation? What situation do you find yourself in where you think that it'll only ever change when pigs fly? This is what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. You see, outside of the stories of people coming to faith, I think that every miracle that you see in God's story that we call the Bible can kind of be put into one of four different camps. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at miracles of protection. How is it that God looks after people and protects people who need protecting? Uh, the week after that, we're going to be looking at perhaps the least talked about and maybe the most weird kind of miracle, miracles of deliverance. You're not going to want to miss that one. And in the final week, we're going to be looking uh, at both online and in person uh, as we finish this series, looking at miracles of healing. Why is it that God sometimes heals and sometimes doesn't? Today, though, we're going to be kicking off by looking at miracles of provision. Maybe you're hurting right now because you are in need and you're desperate for a miracle. That's what we're going to be talking about today. 
You know, I can remember for me uh, a story of a miracle of provision. I can remember uh, when I was maybe 18 years old, I was on a train. For me personally, I don't know why many of the miracles that I experience tend to happen on trains. Uh, but I can remember sitting down on this train. It was kind of a full carriage and there was someone behind me. And as the ticket master guy came around, um, he asked my ticket. I gave him my ticket. Uh, everything was fine. And then he went to the person behind me. And he said, can I have your ticket? And this person didn't have a ticket. Now, I don't share this to make myself be um, any better. I've been in this situation before and I haven't done anything. In fact, almost most of the time, I don't think I would do anything if I'm honest. But in that moment, I just felt within my heart as if the Holy Spirit was saying something. As if the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to do something here for this person. And so it was almost like a voice came out of my mouth that wasn't really my voice, although I kind of had control over whether I said it or not. It just felt one of those real Holy Spirit moments where I just said, hey, I've got this. If, if this person needs to get to where they need to get to, then I'll sort out the ticket. And so this conductor, a little bit confused, sort of reluctantly, but eventually he agreed. And I can remember thinking, I'm not sure if I can even afford this. In fact, I was kind of sure I wouldn't be able to afford this. And in that moment, I was like, this is going to be embarrassing if my card's rejected. And in my head, I'm thinking, what if I then can't do this or can't do this or can't do this? But in that moment, just thought, hey, if this is really you, God, you need to do some providing here. Uh, anyway, I put my card in the machine and it went through and I spent the rest of the train journey just thinking, oh no, what if I don't have enough or what if, what if, what if for the rest of the month? And then I got back and I checked my bank account and nothing was taken out of my account. Nothing was taken out of my account and I couldn't explain it. And in my head, I was like, maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's just one of those things. But I genuinely believe in that moment, there was a miracle of provision that I was able to partner with God in, and not because of my own goodness, but purely because of the grace of God, which allowed provision to take place where someone was able to experience a miracle. When you look through the stories of the Bible, something that you see time and time again is God providing in times of need. In fact, the principle I want you to remember today is this. In every story of need, there is a miracle of provision. Uh, think about it. Uh, whether it was Adam in the garden who needed a partner and God miraculously created Eve, or Abraham who was walking up the mountain to make a sacrifice to God who had nothing with him but his son and God provided a lamb, uh, whether it was a big fish to swallow Jonah to save him from death, whether it was rainfall in a time of drought, uh, then there are thousands of people on a hillside hungry and Jesus is with his disciples and he multiplies the little that they had so that every everybody would eat. Uh, whether it was an old widow in the Old Testament who was frightened for her future and the prophet Elijah to ask her to take the little that she has to pour it out and in that way the little that she had miraculously multiplied. Whether it was manna from heaven or water from a rock or meat that was delivered by birds. In every story of need there is a miracle of provision. That time and time again, there are stories of people who fear that there is not enough and God provides. Perhaps you right now find yourself in the land of not enough, where you know that you have a need that goes beyond just a want, that you don't know what comes next. I want to make a quick important distinction here. 
Whilst in every story of need there is a story of provision, this is not the same as in every moment of want there is a moment of fulfillment. God is not just a magic genie who comes out whenever we want him to answer for our every want. Why? Well, put it this way, if as a child you were given everything that you wanted, do you believe that you would be better for it or worse for it? It's not that you didn't truly believe in that moment that you didn't need it or deserve it uh, as a child, but often it's the case that as children we don't get the fullness of perspective of what's actually good for us. I believe that it's the same with God. Whilst I do believe that God sometimes gives us good gifts just for the sake of giving us good gifts, I don't believe really at all that he said that he'll just give us what we want whenever we want it. Uh, Paul, who is one of the New Testament writers who had an encounter with the risen Jesus, wrote to churches and as a result once wrote this to the church in Philippi. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's the thing. The things that we need are often different from the things that we want. Whilst we need to eat, what we might want is a 30 pound steak dinner. Whilst we need to drink, we might want the most expensive bottle of wine that we can't even pronounce. Whilst we need clothes, what we might want is the 300 pound shoes. Whilst we need rest, what we might want is the all inclusive. Whilst we need friends, what we might actually crave for is fame. Now, here's the thing. Some of you right now may be in genuine need, and I believe that God wants to work in your life today, and if you let him, that he might provide for your needs and draw you closer to him. Others of you aren't actually in need, and I actually include myself in this category, but God wants to work in you in perhaps slightly a different way that might lead to a miracle too, which will also draw you closer to him. I want to read us my favorite story of a miracle of provision. In fact, this might just be the most famous story of a miracle of provision. And as we go through, I just want to pick up on a few things that might give you some hope today. Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, for reference, this Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long, about 33 miles in circumference. And Jesus at this point was gaining popularity, so much so that there was a crowd of people who would make this trip to the other side of this big lake to find out who this man was. A great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he performed, healing the sick. Then Jesus went up onto a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Now notice, the crowd weren't following Jesus yet because of his theology necessarily or because of what um, Jesus believed. In fact, actually, those would be the things that would actually cause a lot of these people to eventually walk away. But the thing that intrigued them, it was that there was something about Jesus which caused people to want to find out more. Jesus seemed to have power that in times of need, he would bring provision to. In times of pain, that he would bring restoration to. In times of healing that Jesus would bring healing to. In fact, it seems that this demonstration of power was one of the, uh, the marks of Jesus's ministry, particularly early on. And so Jesus looks up and sees this crowd of thousands who have followed him, a crowd potentially made up of Galilean pilgrims uh, who had traveled to Jerusalem for some of the Passover festivities, a festival that recalled uh, a time of their ancestors who found themselves traveling through a wilderness with nothing to eat. 
where God shows his faithfulness and provision by providing bread from the sky. And Jesus, I think with a wry smile on his face, turns to one of his disciples and he says this, when Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this to test him, for he already knew in his mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him in a way that I think you too would answer if you were Philip. It would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each person to have a bite. In other words, Jesus, I fear that we don't have enough of what we need to do what you want us to do. Not that we haven't got enough to do what I want to do, but Jesus, your will is ultimate. But I am scared that we haven't got what we need. If you found yourself in a place like that, God, I know that you have called me to mission or to a different job or to giving more or to adoption or to writing a book or to starting a ministry or to reaching out to a friend. But God, I fear that I don't have what I need to do what you want us to do. Now, if you go through the story of Jesus time and time again, you will find the disciples messing up. You'll find them scared or lacking faith or arguing. I actually think in this story is a real high point for them. Because another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Now, be honest. If you were in Andrew's shoes and you saw the crowd and you knew that there was a conversation about food and you knew that there wasn't enough, but you managed to get your hands on a packed lunch, what would you do? Now, I don't want to get too judgmental because if I'm honest, I think I would probably put myself in this camp too. I think if you're like me, you would have, you take a little look of this food and you take a little nibble for yourself first. You'd have a little fish sandwich just in case. And before you think that you wouldn't, in reality, how many of us do exactly that when it comes to the things of today? When there is a need or something that God might be putting on your heart, and you have a fear that you don't have what you need, how often is it that our instinct is to consume the little bit that we have before considering what the little that we have can actually do? But Andrew, with his tummy rumbling and his wallet feeling significantly lighter, uh, comes forward to Jesus and says, Jesus, we don't have enough, but this is what we have. And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Why 12 baskets left? Uh, I believe it's so that the disciples could go home and put it in the fridge so that the next day they could have it for breakfast so that they would be sure that they weren't dreaming the day before. Listen, in every story of need, there is a miracle for, of provision. Some of you right now, you know that you have a need and you are praying. And I want you to know that this morning that God is listening and that he hasn't forgotten you and has everything that you need. Now, the God of the cosmos is not short on wealth and he can make a way for you. Others of you, and I include myself in this again, you don't have needs right now. 
And I'm not suggesting that life uh, is just perfect for you and there's not struggle or pain in your life. But when it comes to the things that you need, you actually have it. Maybe you even have it in abundance, whereby what you're nervous about isn't not having enough, but it's about not having enough extra. I believe that God wants to invite you here today to partner with him in a miracle of provision that might not benefit you, but that might multiply what you have for the benefit of others. Let me ask you a question. What if God wants to use you to play a part in a miracle in someone else's life? Often it's the case that God doesn't need you and he does things himself. Sometimes he provides in ways in spite of us just because he can. But when you look through the story of the Bible, what we find is a God not wanting to stay distant, but actually to partner with us, his people, to put a broken world back together. In fact, the story of the Passover, the festival that was happening at the time of this miracle, you can actually read of how God um, brought his people to exit Egypt. And they went from this group of slaves to an army in how they partnered with God to put this broken world back together. What if God wants to partner with you to bring about a miracle in someone else's life? Uh, Let me tell you, as someone who, if I'm really honest, has never really found themselves in huge moments of need, the most faith-building moments of my life have not actually been moments where God has given to me, but actually have been moments where God has used what he has asked from me. It's been moments when someone has mentioned that there is a specific amount for something that's going to change someone's world that I know I have, and I don't even know what to do with it. It's been moments where I know that my voice can bring an encouragement into a situation that has no encouragement in it. It's been moments where my day has been interrupted because there is an adventure to embrace if only I listen to the spirit urging my heart. Let me give you some examples. You know, a couple of months ago, I shared about a friend uh, who went shopping in Waitrose and who had a breakdown in the laundry detergent aisle uh, as she found herself dreaming of being able to afford the best kind of laundry detergent. And she just felt the voice of God tell her, the world's suffering is too great for such comfortable dreams. Now, in spite of not living in a house with enough space, Mills used the little that she had And a miracle in the lives of two refugees was experienced as she invited them into her home. Or another couple that I know who after years of trying and seemingly failing to have a child felt the spirit of God direct them that the option of adoption wasn't a secondary option or an option that lacked faith but actually showed faith. And after giving the little that they had, God multiplied it and provide, provided for two children who previously seemingly didn't have a hope for a safe family. Or for us here at The Forge, who a year and a half ago received a financial gift that we didn't know at the time, but would actually allow us to do church online and dream for the future. And in a year, saw a church look more, in a year that looked, uh, allowed church to look more restricted than ever before, see 24 people come to faith and people come to church for the first time in their lives. What if God wants to partner with you to bring about a miracle in someone else's life? What if God wants to perform a miracle in your own life? Are you ready, listening, waiting, sitting on the hillside like one of the 5,000? Or maybe are you at home like one of the skeptics? Because today might really be the day where pigs fly. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, 
find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.